Good morning and a very warm welcome to our service today, the 30th of May. It's Trinity Sunday today, uh, a day where we especially remember God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, his kindness, his love, his overflowing love that gave his own Son that we might be his children. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. He's a holy God. And we're going to sing a great Trinity hymn to begin with, Holy, 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 uh, number 321, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Uh, so let's uh, stand to sing Holy, Holy, Holy. <laughs>
sky and sea Holy, holy, holy Merciful and mighty God in three persons Blessed Trinity very much Dahi for leading us in that wonderful hymn. Our first Bible reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and it reminds us that though God is three persons he is one God. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 to 9. Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, those are challenging words for us to hear, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might, uh, not just a little bit, but, but all, everything we have to love God. And if you're anything like me, you'll, you'll get distracted by other things. God won't get your number one spot all of the time. Our hearts are divided and we're going to say sorry to God now and ask for his help that we would uh, love him. So let's join together in the words of the Confession on page 102 of the prayer book. So together we pray, Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. In our second reading from 1 John today, we'll hear, Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. That means because of Jesus' sake, because Jesus was put to death. He did keep the commandment to love God with all of his heart. But he was put to death for us so that we can be forgiven. And so I can pray with confidence. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, open our lips. And our mouth will proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Well, we're going to declare God's praise by joining together in the words of the Creed. So let us affirm our faith together. Together we say, I, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, 
God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, please do be seated for our second Bible reading. If you'd like to turn to the book of 1 John, it's towards the end of the Bible, just before Revelation. Uh, 1 John, chapter 2, and verses tw 12 to 17. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's pray for God's help as we look at his word together. Lord God, our Father, we pray that your word would be our guide, your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and your glory, our chief concern. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the world is beautiful, isn't it? It's even more beautiful when the sun is shining. And this time of year in particular, there's fresh leaves on the trees that have been bare for so long. There's flowers coming out, the lambs and the calves in the field, the birds singing in the trees. And then there's the sea, if you ever can get there, uh, and the beaches, think of Rosnaula, the mountains, the rivers. It's a stunning world. And then there's the food, the, the steak, the bacon, roast lamb, potatoes, even vegetables, cakes. There's so much good food to enjoy. And then there's family and friends, people to enjoy the world with. So why does God tell us, verse 15, don't love the world? Don't love the world. Does that mean when I'm eating a nice steak, I can't really enjoy it? When I see a beautiful view, I can't give thanks for it? What does God mean when he says don't love the world? Is he a spoil sport? No, certainly not. He created the world in the first place. And he's the one who made it so good. And he loves to see his children enjoying his creation in the way he intended. Uh, children, if you're listening, imagine you are given a really good present by your mum or your dad or some other kind relative. Do you think that they would be more happy to see you really enjoying the gift and playing with it or leaving it in the box? Uh, the truth is no parent is glad to see their, their, their toy sitting perfectly in the box rather than being lovingly bashed and bumped in daily adventures. Parents love to see their children delighting 
in what they've been given. So how much more the God who graciously gives all things. So when God says do not love the world, he he cannot be meaning do not enjoy my good creation. Nor can he be meaning don't enjoy food or drink. Again, the Bible says these are are good gifts from God. The book of 1 Timothy tells us, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. The book of Ecclesiastes commands God's people to enjoy food and drink as a gift from God. So what does God mean when he tells us not to love the world? Does he mean don't love people? We'll have a look back up to chapter 2, verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here, John tells us that love for fellow Christians is a sign we are God's people. So he can't be meaning don't love Christians. So does God mean we should love Christians and no one else? Well, think about the most famous verse in the Bible. Do you know it? John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God tells us that he loves the world enough to give his only son to rescue those who rejected him. So it would be strange if he was telling us not to love those who are not yet Christians. So what does he mean when he says, don't love the world? Do Christians have to be somber and feel guilty for any time they experience pleasure? No. It all depends on where we're looking for our pleasure and satisfaction. Just have a look at the the rest of verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. What are the two options? It's love for the world or love for God. Loving the world with no reference to God is all about getting what I want no matter what. Think of Wizard Spider, the organised cyber criminal gang that has targeted the HSE. What do they care about? What do they love? They, They love the world. Clearly not the people of the world, given the distress they've caused to others, but they love the world's stuff. They love money, and they don't care who they hurt or trample on to get it. It's all about them getting what they want. The love of the Father is not in them. Have a look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. What is wizard spider ruled by? It's ruled by the desires of the flesh. People ruled by what they want. They don't mind anyone else. The desires of the eyes. They they are ruled by what they see, an opportunity to get rich. They love the world's stuff. They want it. The pride of life or possessions. They love the world. It's ugly greed, isn't it? The love for the world rather than the love for God. And it's foolish because look at verse 17. The world is is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Even if the criminals get away with it and enjoy their ill-gotten gain for the rest of their lives, how long will that last? Uh, I don't know how old they are, but another another 40, 50, 60 years? 
and then that's it. They'll be buried in the same size coffin as everyone else. They will pass away, John says, and they won't take anything with them. But look what happens to the person who loves God. It's a different story. Have a look at the end of verse 17. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Eternal life, eternal happiness, eternal life with God. How often do you say the years fly by? The years fly by, they go quicker every year. It's true, isn't it? Life is so short, it will soon be gone. But for the one who loves God, there is eternal life. I hope that shows us something of the folly of loving the world and its stuff rather than God. But Wizard Spider is a fairly extreme example of loving the world and not God. John was not writing to Wizard Spider or any other cybercriminals. He was writing to Christians. We know that from verses 12 to 14. These are people who've had their sins forgiven. People who know God, who have overcome the evil one, who have, uh, have God's word abiding in them. So why does John tell them not to love the world? Well, because it was a real danger for them. Don't you find yourself desiring more, more money in the bank, uh, maybe a better car, a tractor, a better house, phone, clothes, food, drink? We've already said there's nothing wrong with these things, many of these things we need to live, and everything created by God is good and nothing's to be rejected if it's received by thanksgiving. But it's all about, it's all to do with our attitude and desires. What am I ruled by? Am I ruled by the desires of the flesh, what I want? Am I ruled by the desires of the eyes, what I see? Imagine you're a fish swimming in the river and you see a worm and you think, I must have that worm. It looks so tasty. It will make me so happy. It will make me swim faster. It will make me a bigger fish. You open your mouth to bite on it and the next thing there's a hook in the roof of your mouth. What is life all about for you? Is it all about getting what you want? You see something, someone you want, and you must have it, or them. Or is it about loving God and obeying his will, going his way? Now, obeying God's will doesn't mean we can't enjoy anything in this world. God is more glorified by us eating a steak and praising him for making it taste so good than he is by us pretending that we're not enjoying it. But the question is, am I receiving all of life and all that I have as a gift from him, or do I see it as mine? Do I hold the stuff I have lightly because I know it all belongs to God, or tightly because I see it as mine? Do I see my money as mine or thine? Remember when we take up the collection in church, or when we did before the COVID times, we used to say, all things come of you, O Lord. And of your own have we given you. It all belongs to, to God. God says, don't love the stuff of this world. Love me. The stuff will let you down, but I won't. There's no comparison. I've got here this morning a, a, an old uh, Sony Walkman. I remember seeing my friend's one and I had to have one. I desired it. I'd do anything to get it. And now, well, it's sitting in a drawer. It's never used. Probably broken. I haven't managed to get it working. But God... God, he's not like this. God loved me so much he gave his only son for me. He will never let us down. So why would I love stuff that is so temporary over the God who gives everything to us to enjoy? 
The world and its desires are passing away, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What does it mean to do the will of God? If that's the secret to abiding forever, what, what does it mean? Because surely none of us have done that. We, we accepted that in the confession. None of us have done God's will perfectly. So how can anyone live forever? Well, if you flip on in 1 John, just to chapter 3 and verse 23, do you see what we're told God's will is? This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Here is what it means to do the will of God, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who always did the will of God, who always resisted the desires of the flesh, and he offers to share his perfect obedience and his life with us. When you see what he has done, doesn't that make you love him and want to love his people? To hold on to what you have more lightly and to share it with others? So that's the reason why John says don't love the world. Because there's a real danger for Christians of loving the world rather than God. So John says remember this world is passing away. Love God, not stuff. Go God's way, not your own. But why is John writing about this in this particular letter? Remember these Christians have been troubled and upset by people who have left the church. People who have moved on from the Bible's teaching and were telling others that they should leave as well. And the thing was, they were really popular. Everyone was listening to them. Everyone was flocking to them. The world loved them. And the reason for that was... They were the world. Of course everyone liked what they were saying because they were saying what the world wanted to hear. Do you see in chapter 4, uh, in chapter 4 verse 5, after speaking about these false teachers, he says, verse 5 of chapter 4, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. So when John writes, don't love the world, He's not only saying, don't love stuff, love God. He's saying, don't be tricked by those who've left the church and have moved on from the apostles' teaching. They are the world. Of course they're popular. They're saying what the world wants to hear. But remember verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Don't be deceived. Well, the world God created is beautiful, but there's a danger, a danger that we might love the stuff and forget about the God who made it all, a danger that we might see something or someone and say, I must have that, I won't be satisfied until I have that, a danger that we might go our own way rather than God's way. So John writes to the Christians to say, don't love the world. If you love the world, you don't love God. And that's really foolish because God is the one who gave us everything. And the stuff won't last, so be wise. Love God, not stuff. Love him. Go his way, not your way. And you will enjoy life with God now and forever. Well, let's pray in response to what we've heard. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And we confess that sometimes we do end up loving the world rather than you. Loving the stuff you've given us rather than you. Please uh, change our hearts and help us to love you and live for you. We pray we would do your will, trust in your Son, the Lord Jesus, and so live forever. In Jesus' name, Amen.
Let's continue in prayer with the Lord's Prayer. So together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We continue in prayer. Heavenly Father, there is nothing better than to praise you and to declare your loving kindness as we meet together this Lord's Day. We remember with thanks the creation of the world by the power of your word and also our rescue through your Son's death and mighty resurrection. Help us to remember that the keeping of keeping holy of this day is a commandment you've given us for our good, that we might think on your glorious works of creation and redemption and learn how to know and keep all your commandments. May this day help us to dedicate ourselves to your glory and honour and to look forward to the eternal Sabbath which we will celebrate with all your rescued people in unspeakable joy and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. A prayer for farmers. Heavenly Father, as we acknowledge our dependence on your bounty for our daily bread, so we also seek your blessing on those engaged in farming. Please will you prosper their work, that the earth may yield its full harvest, and the needs of all people be supplied. We pray for improved weather and for safety on the farms in the busy time of cutting silage. Whatever the challenges, please keep us all looking to you in grateful dependence on you, and may we see your kindness to us each day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Crosslinks, and in particular for our mission partners, Gerald and Louise Mwangi. Thank you so much that they now have 37 young people on the Transformed program. Please bless these young people and may they learn many useful life skills. We pray as they study the Gospel of Mark and Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you would open their eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Please give energy to Duncan, Lewis, Lucy and Gerald as they teach on the program and please also help Bosco and Eric as they help out. May they make friends and be good role models to the students. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you know what it's like to live in this broken and painful world. You were acquainted with grief and sorrow. You faced more than any of us will ever face. And so we thank you that you understand whatever challenges we are facing. Thank you that you are able to sympathise with us in our weakness. We thank you that by your wounds we are healed, forgiven and have a wonderful future. Please help us to trust you among the pain we may be facing right now. We pray especially for those in pain or distress of any kind at the moment, remembering especially Leon Briardy, Stephen Doggett, Amanda Moffat, Olive Simmons, the family and friends of Billy Noonan, the family and friends of Leslie Humphreys, and the family and friends of Stephen Sidney Stevens. And in a moment of quiet, any others we know who are unwell or who are grieving.
We also want to thank you, Heavenly Father, for your help with Alexis Wilson and pray for her continued recovery. Please would you comfort the grieving and give them your peace that the world cannot give. And we ask that it may please you to relieve those who are unwell from their pain, to give them patience in their suffering as you patiently endured suffering, to give them a sense of your presence and to restore them to good health. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And the collect for this Sunday, this Trinity Sunday. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us your servant's grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of the divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith that we may evermore be defended from all adversities. For you live and reign one God for ever and ever. Amen. And we close our prayers by joining together in the fourth collect for morning prayer as together we pray. Heavenly Father, in whom we live and move and have our being, we humbly pray that your Holy Spirit may so guide and govern us that in all the cares and occupations of our daily life we may never forget your presence, but may remember that we are always walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, if you'd like to look up there, we have just a few announcements before our final hymn. And that's to say that on Wednesday we have evening prayer in Ballyhays. On Friday we have confirmation prep and Teens for Christ in the Rectory Garden. And then uh, next Sunday we'll have services as usual. On the 8th of June we'll have In Touch happening again um, on Zoom at 3.30. And uh, that's that's um, uh, the Drung Easter Vestry will be on the 10th of June as well. So that's it for, for the, the notices. Um, and we're going to have our final hymn, Will Your Anchor Hold, number 608, uh, 680. Uh, reminded, reminder of why we should love God rather than stuff, because of the Saviour's love, that love of the Saviour that he has for us that goes on forever. It's far better than stuff. So let's uh, sing about this anchor that will hold through all the storms of life.
distant shore while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love It will surely hold in the floods of death When the waters cold chill our latest breath On the rising tide it can never fail When our hopes abide within the veil We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love our time together by joining in the words of the grace together we pray the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us all evermore amen